So let's listen together to uh, God's holy and inspired word for Matthew uh, 28, 1 through 10. After the Sabbath at dawn, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. Of course, the tomb where Jesus had been laid on Friday night. There was a violent earthquake. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and, going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. And then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and he's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. And so the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy, and they ran to tell his disciples. And and suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. And they came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. And then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee There they will see me. And then also, uh, we're going to be reading from Philippians 3, 10, and 11. Could you read these verses with me? I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. That's God's Word for us uh, this morning. Has anybody ever asked you what you wanted for Easter? And we talk about what we want for Christmas. Uh, But Easter is a big time of year. It's very special. And so we might ask that same question for Easter. and, And for some boys and girls, the answer might be, uh, I'd love to have some jelly beans uh, for Easter, maybe an Easter egg hunt, or maybe color Easter eggs. When I was little, I feel like I was most focused in on those chocolate bunnies. Some were hollow, some were not hollow, which is a lot of chocolate. And in addition to that, I was very interested in Cadbury eggs with that creamy, super sugary filling. When I was little, I have, uh, grew up in a home with two, I was the oldest, and then two sisters and a younger brother from sometimes. Uh, we lived away from family most of my life, but sometimes uh, one of our grandparents would even get us Easter baskets, which was a real luxury. And I, I think our kids, uh, that might be one little disappointment in life that <laughs> we've never really done that for them. These days, if I were to choose an Easter candy, hands down, peeps. Any color. Very sugary, so just, just a couple, but it's peeps. As we get older, what we might want, what our wishes, as they get more refined for Christmas, they get a little more refined for Easter, and we might be looking forward more to a tasty Easter dinner or brunch, and even 
more than that food with the people you'll be enjoying that food with and and a, a nice meal and an afternoon with family and friends. And if our tastes are quite refined, we'll, we're looking forward to starting out the day with a time of worship and to be in, inspired with those great hymns of the faith that we just got to sing on Easter. The Apostle Paul is uh, the guy who wrote Philippians. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he knows just what we as God's people need this Easter. These two little verses in Philippians 3 are an Easter prayer for us. Paul knows what to pray. And it's a perfect prayer because it's in Scripture. And I hope that you receive this. God's perfect prayer for you and for His church this Easter. First, the prayer is that you know the risen Christ. Paul wrote a lot of letters to a lot of churches. And this is a persistent prayer of Paul. To know Jesus. And it's a prayer of salvation, really. And and that was his heart as a missionary, as a church planter. He preached the risen Christ so people would know the risen Christ. A few verses. I didn't tell you to keep your Bibles open to chapter 3, but if you did, and even if you didn't, it's still there. A few verses earlier, he says in verse 8, compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, compared to knowing Jesus, I consider everything else rubbish, trash, garbage. And he had just talked about all the reasons that he had to boast spiritually in verses 5 and 6. And by the standards of his day, he was among the spiritually elite. Better than anybody. But he says, compared to knowing Jesus, for the purposes of salvation, he says, it means Nothing. To apply Paul's verses in chapter 3, someone here at Faith Church might say, I go to worship twice a Sunday, morning and night. I volunteer at pads. I go on service projects. I tithe to the church. But God's Word is telling us that it's nothing compared with the greatness of knowing Jesus. That's what Paul would say. It's not that those good practices are literally nothing. They're not nothing. That's not what Paul says. He says they are nothing compared to knowing Jesus. It's not saying worship and giving and serving aren't good and great and wonderful things and healthy for our spiritual growth. It's telling us just how great Jesus is and knowing Him. It's the greatest thing of all. It makes everything else, even really 
good things that you got going on makes them look like small, small potatoes. And this is Paul's prayer for you and me this Easter. To know Jesus, it's ultimately how we're saved. There's no other way. And that's why this morning you cannot miss this prayer. You cannot miss it. I remember my manager at a job I had uh, years ago uh, during my college years when I was still living in Southern California. He was not a Christian when I knew him. And as far as I know, he, he's still not a Christian. He was a really, really nice guy. One of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. He was nicer than most Christians I've ever met. And there's a lot of nice people here, so no disrespect to you. I'm just saying he was really nice. Great guy. He lived a very clean lifestyle. He was extremely respectful to others. He had a better relationship and was more honoring to his father than almost anybody I've ever met. When we were able to have a conversation uh, about heaven once, he said that he figured when he died, God would accept him because he was a pretty good guy and because he he tried his, his very best to be kind to others and to love them and to be respectful of others. And Paul would say to that, sorry, buddy. No way. Not good enough. He would say, I have more spiritual credentials than anybody, and they don't get me anywhere. He's saying it's only through Jesus' death and resurrection. It's only from knowing Jesus. And this is why he says in in verse 7, whatever was to my profit, what was good, advantageous for me, I now consider loss. And and that explains it. Whatever else might be considered a positive and a good thing in my life, and and what I might think could contribute towards me going to heaven, like helping others, being very spiritual and holy, it's rubbish. It's nothing compared to knowing Jesus. I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection is Paul's prayer for us. Uh, and the prayer is there not only that you know the risen Christ, but also that you experience the risen Christ. So this isn't only a prayer for those who do not yet know Jesus, who, who need to come to salvation, but it's a continuing prayer for all believers. I mean, Paul was praying it for himself in Philippians 3, and he was already saved and a very mature believer at the time. And so it's his continuing prayer his whole life long to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. And he's writing to Philippians. That was a very mature church in Greece. People who knew Jesus already. And and you know, if you read Paul's letters, he was not always pleased with the churches he wrote to. A lot of them had major problems. But this church, these people were on the right track. He says in chapter 1 of Philippians, I thank my God every time I remember you. He loved this church. They were great. And yet, for those people who do know Jesus, and if you've already found your comfort and hope in Him alone, Paul knows that they and you too need to experience Christ 
and his Easter power day by day. The power of Easter, it's not just back there in history with that violent earthquake and the stone being rolled away and the angel of the Lord looking like lightning. Easter's power is not just back earlier in your life once maybe when you gave your heart to Jesus or when you had a special moment in worship or on a service project or at a conference. The power is for us our whole life long, day by day. And how sad, how sad when when people who know the risen Christ aren't experiencing the risen Christ. Sometimes I fear we settle for less and we miss the joy, we miss the power of of salvation. We know the blessed life in Jesus, but we're not living the blessed life. And, And so we pray with Paul that we would experience the power of the resurrection so that we can live the new life day by day in power, with joy. Just a final thought as Paul's prayer goes on, and that is a prayer that you would join the risen Christ. A prayer that you'd join the risen Christ. And that's especially the um, second half of verse 10 and 11. And it gets a little difficult to fully grasp these words. Because Paul says, talks about, I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in His suffering, becoming like Him in His death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection of the dead. The fellowship of sharing is is a joining with Christ. And we read, we do that in Christ's suffering. So joining with Him in His suffering. And, and you know, we find out that, that if we've been a Christian, even for just a little while, that, that belonging to Jesus does involve sharing in His suffering. The Christian life is a blessed life. It's far beyond any other possible life, but that doesn't mean it's an easy life. Jesus lived a life of suffering. Man of sorrows was his name. Paul experienced much suffering. And this is, this is part of the Christian life. And believers, we, we suffer from outside struggles, whether it's persecution for the faith, temptations from our culture and world, challenges with other people, whether it's in relationships or maybe Sorrow for a loved one who, who is struggling and who seems to be walking far from the Lord. And we've we got struggles inside too, whether it's the sin in our own hearts that, that we keep fighting against and we wrestle with. Uh, in our hearts, whether it's a, it's a heartache or, or, or a loss that we continue to mourn or, or, or a sickness, major health issues. All of this should be expected for the believer. It's it's par for the course when you belong to Christ because we are joined with Him in His suffering. And so if you experience hard times, instead of throwing in the towel on the faith and getting bitter, the more appropriate response is to think, wow, I must truly be a child of God. 
I must really belong to Jesus. I'm so honored that I can be part of the long history of those over the centuries who have suffered with and for Jesus. And so Paul prays for himself and for us, for the church, for this participation with Christ. Is he asking straight up, give me suffering, Lord, I want to suffer? Well, I I don't think he's saying that. I don't think anyone would do that. I don't think we have to do that. But he is praying that he join the risen Christ because he knows that anyone who has walked the road of suffering with the Savior will be taken with Jesus on the victory road afterwards. And so Paul brings this part of the prayer together by referring to the ultimate Easter gift, the resurrection from the dead, eternal life. And at every graveside service for the believer, that last place of saying goodbye, we can claim this victory, that that coffin, that hole in the ground, it's not the end. These wonderful lilies up front this morning, you know if you've looked in your bulletin near the back, you've seen all the names and the the point of this. Uh, They represent loved ones who have gone on to glory. Easter brings with it the promise that we will see them again. And, And this prayer is that we will share in His sufferings and in His resurrection victory. The ultimate Easter promise is that All who died knowing Jesus and who have experienced Him in this life will join Him one day in the life to come. And and so, this is God's Easter prayer for you. I believe it's for me today, for for Christians everywhere, for this church. This is something to aspire to. It's something to receive. um, Because God's gifts are exactly that. They're gifts. They're free by His grace. They're yours. Uh, You just need to realize how much you need them more than anything else. Nothing else will do, and then you just need to receive them. And when you have these gifts, you've got everything. Without them, the stuff that we put the highest value on. You know, we, we talk about you know, wanting a big house and a nice car, nice TV. And obviously those aren't the highest of standards and highest of wishes. But even the very greatest things that we think anybody in life should want and need, just like basic food and sustenance, health, family and friends, without Jesus... We might as well put those other things on the rubbish pile like Paul. Not that they aren't important, but compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus, they are much, much less important. And if Easter for you is anything, if it's about anything less than knowing the risen Savior, experiencing His power in your life, and joining Him in life eternal, if it's anything less than that, you are missing out, my friend. Then your priorities need to be radically shifted 
then I'd encourage you to rethink your entire life. If you think Easter's a nice meal with family or friends, a nice hour with some music in the church, then I'm afraid you're really missing out. And I don't want you to. You're settling for far less than what God has for us in the risen Christ. You're trivializing Easter and you're trivializing Christ himself. This prayer is so that you and I could have what's best and greatest in life and not just settle for things that are second best. If you have this and you've got everything you need, a lot of other things could go wrong in your life, and they do. But if you have this, you've got it all. You really do. I have a family member, um, a cousin, who seems to be wandering from the faith. And I, it's not like I have two or three cousins. So you could like look at, oh, it's one of these three. I have like 30 to 40 first cousins. I have another family member, an uncle, who checks in with me very kindly on my health and prays for me fervently, as a lot of my family members do, and you guys do too. He's also praying for this cousin who seems to be far from the Lord. And I say seems because we don't know anyone's heart, of course. But all indications in his life are showing that he is far from the Lord. He's removed himself from the church, and it likely means he's far from the Lord. My uncle said to me a week ago, Greg, I know what you have is serious, and I'm praying for you, but you know, don't you, that you're better off than your cousin who does not have brain cancer, but who is wandering spiritually. Because, Greg, you have Jesus and you know him. And he is absolutely right. I was diagnosed with a malignant brain tumor. I've had two surgeries starting tomorrow. I'm heading into chemotherapy and at the end of this calendar year. Long term, I should have many decades left yet. And I pray I do. But we don't know for sure. But you know what? By God's grace, I know Jesus. And that puts life in perspective. I've got it all. A bald-headed guy with a craniotomy scar on my scalp walking around like this all the time. I've got it all. I truly do. I have what's best. I know him. I'm experiencing his power in my day-to-day living. It doesn't mean it's all good all the time. Far from it. But I do know that with the risen Christ It's all going to work out. I'm going to join him in glory one day, and I get to walk with him and with all of you fellow believers in the meantime. There are no guarantees for my health, but you know what? There are no guarantees for your life either, you know. You know what tomorrow's going to bring? There are no guarantees for you either, except if you know Jesus. Then you've got the guarantee. You're going to be okay, more than okay, no matter what life brings. And so may we long to know Jesus and experience him and join him in this life and the next, not just as some nice thoughts to think about in, in, a, in, a, in a nice sanctuary on Easter morning, but may we know these things every single day of our lives. May, may, may you long to know those things. And may you long to be a vibrant part 
of his people in a church that has as its goal that people would know Jesus Christ and where people are held accountable to knowing Christ and growing together. We've been praying uh, for 30 days for our church and um, Al De Los Santos, our deacon chair, uh, framed his, his prayer before the offering along those lines. We've been praying for 30 days, 30 things, church leadership, church health, church growth. And uh, one of the reasons for those 30 days is they say we either break bad habits, we can break bad habits in 30 days, but you can also develop good habits in 30 days. And so I hope, you know, tomorrow is the last of the 30 days. I hope that this uh, has developed a good habit and practice in your life that you'll continue to pray daily uh, for your church, for this church, for these three areas. But then, now, let's add the bigger picture that's bigger than all of it, that, what, that all the other stuff is about, that people would come to know Jesus through Faith CRC. Some of our children and young people uh, for the very first time, uh, new people who are lost and, and looking for the first time, and all of us who do know him, that we know him more and more every day. Let's, let's make Paul's Easter prayer for the church our prayer.